What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and it's time for this one week's One Last Thing with co-host Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Just, uh, you know, sitting here waiting for... Uh... Waiting for playoff football, we have to wait a little bit longer than uh, everybody else does, but I guess that's a good problem to have. Yeah, absolutely. It is a very good problem to have. And and having this discussion at this time of year is something I'd like to have with you again this time here next year because it means the Ravens are in the playoffs, uh, whether or not they're playing this weekend uh, coming up in the wild card games or whether they get the number one bye. It's, it's always a good year when you at least start by having this conversation. So the, um, uh, the Ravens... Uh, have one scheduling issue that was a little little nutty for this. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've got a list of reasons for playoff optimism and pessimism, but this not being one of them, um, the AFC games are all scheduled as the three earlier games, and I'm wondering if that may mean the Ravens get to play on Sunday rather than uh, – sorry, on Saturday next week rather than Sunday. Yeah, it seems like it might. I mean, it, it, it would seem logical um, so as uh, so as the, not to allow the 49ers to have sort of a little bit of an unfair advantage of, um, you know, playing a team on only six days of rest. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, the, the NFL sometimes will uh, make scheduling decisions out of nowhere. And uh, I guess we're all at their uh, beck and call. Right. All right, well, let's start with reasons for pessimism, and read them down three, two, one, and uh, we'll just each have a chance to react to the others, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I um, I, I termed it reasons for concern uh, because I am quite optimistic. Very good uh, overall, but uh, I so I, I would say one of the reasons for concern here might be you know we're mostly going to be playing teams um, who have. Um, who have seen us uh, in the season already. So uh, most of the possible uh, teams that we could play, uh, we could be, uh, you know, seeing for the second time this season. Um, and, uh, you know, just it's, it's hard to beat a team two times in a row. Um, and, uh, and, you know, a team that's had an opportunity to see how our defense operates, how our offense operates, um, uh, you know, you would think that they would uh, have something to learn from their last experience having played us, and uh, and just you know having um, having seen you know the the manner in which uh, Munkin's offense operates. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly a reasonable one, and and it was probably 
even more so of that 2019 team. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm there's a couple of things about. It. First of all, when, when when people say it's difficult to beat a team three teams in one year, times in one year, difficult to beat a team three times in one year because they have to make the playoffs despite two losses to you. And then you have to beat them a third time, but it certainly happened to the Ravens versus the Steelers. <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, it if the other team is just a little bit better, then it's that's the way it will often end up playing out. So um, I think that's uh, uh, you know it, it's it's something that I, that wouldn't list as as the reason for it. But that said, you know, teams that have seen the Ravens before, the Browns and the Steelers did beat the Ravens the second time, once after a win, once after a loss. So maybe there's something to be said for that. We move on. I'll, I'll go to number, my number three, which is weather. Um, walking up, I worry about a lot of things with regard to football. I worry about things not going exactly to plan when you have a clearly better team. And that's what the Ravens have going into this playoffs. Is they have a clearly better team than any other in the National Football League, uh, including the 49ers. But in the AFC, the margin is even wider. So then you start to worry about not necessarily play elements, which there are some of. But you start to also worry about other elements of conditions. And this Ravens team has not really been tested in conditions um, like high wind or extreme cold, which can happen in the playoffs. Walking up to that Tennessee game in 2019, really noticed the wind whipping. And, uh, you know, it was 15, 18 miles an hour. The very first one of the first passes by Lamar sealed off off Andrew's hands and and to Bayard, I believe, who was the guy who intercepted it for one of the very big plays that changed the game significantly. And, you know, any kind of wind takes away the two of the Ravens' big advantage or mitigates two of their big advantages, one being Tucker and the other being um, Lamar. And you don't want to have Lamar the passer impacted by environmental conditions. I I, I would say um, as far – I mean, that's a a very – um, fair assessment, but I would say that Tucker is very familiar with how the wind uh, can affect play in uh, in M and T Bank, and you know that's the only place he's going to be playing before um, you know uh, you know if we get to the Super Bowl, and that'll the be more temp- Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, uh, I, I I don't I'm not as concerned about Tucker um, in that scenario, um, and uh, and. You know, I, I, I think it, it is more of a concern with Lamar uh, in that respect in the passing game. Uh, although, you know, I guess uh, we could say that we've had a mostly sort of temperate kind of weather um, for this time of year um, so far. So hopefully that's not going to be too much of an issue. Uh, certainly going to be better than traveling to uh, Buffalo or, yep. or Kansas City where it's uh, projected to be minus 10 um, on uh, uh, this weekend. Minus 10 on game day or for a low at night or some such. Well, I saw, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to look, but, uh, but uh, I, I think they said, you know, game day minus 10. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see that that would be truly brutal, wouldn't it? Yes, it, it would be brutal. And I, I honestly do think it would take away a lot in terms of, of potential Ravens advantages. How about your number two item? My number two item, um, you know, could, could offensive inconsistency rear its ugly head? Um, one of the key things I believe that a team needs for a successful postseason run is to sort of, um, you know, have some struggles and then start to kind of hit its stride at the right time. I think that's incredibly important in any season. And that's why I kind of was a little nervous when, you know, the 14 and two Ravens were, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, hosting their playoff game in 2019 and, um, and uh, but 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 in in this season we definitely had our share of offensive inconsistency and struggles early on. It's just a question of whether we can kind of maintain the consistency that we've seen over the past four or five weeks. I think we will, but you know the, the question is you know what happens when you have an untimely you know Lamar fumble? People forget early on in the season Lamar had a number of fumbles, and it wasn't you know it wasn't just on Lamar. A number of them were sort of awkward kind of exchanges and things like that. You know, if one of those things rears their its ugly head and then all of a sudden the offense is sort of scrambling to kind of, you know, get back um, on it, uh, you know, how do they respond? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think the offense responded well a couple of weeks ago when Gus Edwards um, fumbled in the game against, uh, uh, I think he fumbled in Miami uh, and, uh, and, and they 
they rebounded well. So I think uh, hope, hopefully won't be an issue. Yeah, he fumbled against Pittsburgh, and that was the end. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't disagree with that. And obviously, the 2019 loss, highly turnover-based, but it was also a lot of high-leverage plays that they happened to lose in the game. And, you know, they they, they lost some high-leverage plays on, on turnovers. They also failed to make four fourth downs in that game. So, you know, it's just a, there's a lot of things that didn't go right. Some of those decisions, none of them I don't think were I, – I, I would not say that any of those fourth down decisions were bad ones to go for it. They just did it, and they didn't work out, and that's the nature of having a lot of such things. Is you're, you you can't be can't be sure. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take injuries at skill positions and in the defensive backfield as my second concern. I think that's probably the biggest single concern. You want reasons for offensive inconsistency? Injuries at tight end, running back, and wide receiver could be a good reason. Zay Flowers did not practice on Wednesday. We're recording this on Thursday. Um, you know, a week and a half before the game. Uh, the running back situation uh, has already gone through the loss of Keaton Mitchell, and we just had a fumble from Josh Gordon in the finale that may lead to Dalvin Cook getting an opportunity. We don't know that. I suspect it, it may be the case. Um, and then a tight end, of course, playing without Mark Andrews and not knowing if Mark Andrews will be back. It does not appear um, that he'll be back for this first week. At least that's, that's what I would say. But don't know if if he might be back after that uh, or, or not. And then the defensive backfield is incredibly thin right now. Um, the cornerback situation, Ronald Darby had an illness this last week. At least that's how it's being reported. And um, did not play, although he dressed, which was really weird to me. So we'll have to see how exactly that plays out. I, I, I He practiced yesterday, so there's probably no reason to believe that uh, he won't be on the field for the Ravens, but he's very important. He had just over five yards of target this year, and they need him. And, you know, it's always – it's been injuries so far this year that have gotten the Ravens out of their best defensive alignments, which was is with Hamilton at the line of scrimmage in uh, strong safety on, on a great deal of plays. And they haven't – they they have been taken out of that by injuries on the back end at safety and also um, uh, by uh, choices at cornerback. Um, being made that way. So anyway, I'd, I'd really like to see them go in to this postseason with a healthy, healthy set of safeties. And I really, I think since they play three safeties, including Hamilton, obviously, uh, on any play, they really have to go in with four healthy safeties. And so the loss of Daryl Worley is probably more significant than people want to admit. And if it means Adams has to play in a, in in place of Stone, that may be a, play, a decision that the Ravens coaches just decide they don't want to they don't want to go with. So they want to go with Hamilton on the back end instead. Anyway, those two position groups, the injuries there, as healthy as the team is in general, are, are a serious cause for concern. I don't know what you're worried about, Ken. We can always activate Ben Mason. <laughs> you know, there, there um, you go. Great choice. Yeah, yeah. He can, he, you know, put put him right in at safety or corner. You'd be all right. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, those those things are um, a concern. Um, it uh, the the ones that concern me the most, I think, are um, Zay and uh, and Marlon because those are soft tissue things. I mean, if you if you remember both um, Mark Andrews and um, and uh, and uh, Ingram were dealing with. Um, um, soft tissue stuff going into going into the playoffs in 2019 and they kind of were were nagging and not not really going away in time i mean it's it's why it's such a tremendous benefit to have this bye week and hopefully they'll have the opportunity to heal up i mean those guys it's not that important that those guys are out there you know practicing and uh you know getting reps in particular marlin i mean you know that guy is you know like, like he famously said on Twitter once, what's coffee going to do for a guy like me? You know, like, you know, he's, he's ready to go at all times. You know, it's just a, it's just a matter of whether his body is going to cooperate. So, um, you know, hopefully this, this extra time will be sufficient to give him rest and, uh, and, and we can, uh, you know, field our full compliment because it would, it would be pretty disappointing if, uh, if we can't, you know, be out there full strength. And, uh, yeah, for my, 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 uh, last, uh, area for concern is sort of in a similar vein to yours. Um, it's a, it's health related, uh, but it's health along the offensive and defensive lines. I'll sort of preface this by saying, I'm not aware of any injuries along the defensive line, the defensive line for me, it's, it's what we've been 
talking about all season. It's a matter of the defensive line rotation. We have some players who are either on uh, closer to the end of their careers in the beginning or, uh, you know, players like Owe who have had injury concerns in the past. And in fact, Owe did uh, come off the field with uh, some sort of, uh, you know, a shin or something uh, that was bothering him. Um, uh, so, you know, th- there's that aspect to it. You know, if, if, you know, God forbid one of those guys goes down, uh, we just don't have a whole lot of depth. We have more depth on the outside than the interior for sure. Um, but you know, you really don't want to be looking for defensive linemen in the playoffs. Um, so there's that aspect to it. And then of course the offensive line, we, we know that Ronnie and, um, uh, Ronnie and Morgan Moses have, uh, you know, been battling through things this year and the Ravens, you know, to their credit, I mean, it, it, it goes against, uh, you know, typical thinking on how to manage these these things, but they seem to have gotten something right with this rotation. I mean, I think it's, I think it's a testament to the fact that the Ravens have a depth along the offensive line that is probably among the best in the league, if not the best in the league. Um, uh, but, um, but they've really kind of keyed into something here. And actually I'm, I'm curious, Ken, uh, when you respond to this, um, do you think that this uh, rotation will uh, continue in any form during the playoffs? Yeah, uh, legitimate question. So let me let me address address them in the order you did. I'm start with the defensive line. Same five guys have been healthy and taken every single snap all year. So the health doesn't really bother me too much. Have they got worn down a little bit from where they were at the at the uh, uh, early in the year? Maybe Pierce, you know, was at his best a little bit earlier in the year in terms of generating a lot of pressure. But they've also used Travis Jones in more passing situations recently. And he's really stepped up in terms of a, of a higher level of production. The one guy who's had kind of an off year is, is Washington. And we'll see. Hopefully he, he comes back and is a, is a better player, um, you know, both in the postseason and, and in the future. But he, he's had the, one of the latest snap loads. And then um, uh, Urban, of, of course, has been just fine. So I, I'm, I look across the line with Matt at BK and whatnot. I don't have a problem. And I don't include the outside linebackers in that. The outside linebackers, as far as I know, are healthy are going to be healthy going into this game obviously Owe is the one that would be a big question harrison also has had a groin injury if we're including that outside linebacker uh, position and you want a guy who's going to eat some snaps from the others harrison harrison's your guy for that um so anyway i'm not i'm really not concerned at all on the on the defensive side on the offensive side i'm very concerned about the ability of the offensive tackles to hold up to the murderer's row of pass rushers that I expect them to face. So we're getting into mine, which is a little different, which is just offensive tackles versus these outstanding pass rushers. Um, you know, it's it's it will show up each and every week. It will be a focus each and every week. And the Ravens offensively are going to have to figure out how to deal with it each week. Um, I think there's some other players who've increased their importance to the team during this time, and and one player really glares is Justice Hill. He's on the field on passing downs. He can really help them as a pass blocker, and he's become a much larger part of the offense um, in that regard. So sometimes it even helps you a little bit to work through some of these problems in season. And then getting to the last point, um, Ronnie Stanley's had a terrible year, um, just an awful year, and he's, he's been outplayed by every other tackle on the Ravens. Sorry, he's been outplayed by McCarry, and he's been outplayed by um, – Moses significantly for the year. Um, but he's, he's had by far his worst year as a professional. Um, if he, if he would have this year under any th- other circumstances where he was not injured and just, you know, I can't do the same as I, I think his, it is the, the question would be, is he ever going to be able to do the same things again? He seems to be fairly optimistic from recent interviews about still being able to recover to a higher level of play. Let's hope that starts in, in, in these playoffs He's been spottily good these last few weeks, and the best he's been during this season has been during the last few weeks in aggregate. If you look at the other side in terms of the rotational players, Moses has been up and down all year, but he's never had a really bad game, never had an F the entire year. So he's had like three Ds and three Cs and four Bs and four As. It's it's approximately that um, uh, combination, which overall is quite good. And it, when I score offensive line play, one of the things I just tell people to expect is, you know, there is significant game-to-game variation in play. 
And that it, it should be expected the way you look at a box score every day to see what a baseball player's done for your fantasy team. You know, it, it, he's going to go three for four with two homers one day, and he's going to go 0 for five the next day um, occasionally. And so there is that kind of variation in offensive line play. So it doesn't, that doesn't particularly worry me in Moses' case. What is worries me is what's the cause of that. And he might be a little bit hurt right now and still trying to get through that. To your comment about rotation, I think that's something the Ravens have helped Moses through in particular. And Falele, these last four four games, has played the best football of his entire career, short career. But four games at a C level, and all those games were right in the C range, um, uh, is such an amazing jump forward. His his aggregate raw score prior to these four games was, I think, .46 in his career. He'd never had a game that was not an F in terms of 20-plus snaps. And these last four games, he's essentially played a game and a half over those four games uh, with a score right in the mid-70s. So that's a fantastic step forward for him. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I the way I kind of look at the rotation a little bit is um, you're, you're going to – the baseline of the – if you look at, like, every every play that, you know, Ronnie or any other player makes as a dice roll, I just feel like – it's going to be like a higher quality dice roll that you're getting out of yeah. out of out of Ronnie every single time uh, throughout the game, and um, and I think that if that if they if they view it that way, and just anecdotally, I, either listening to you know the way that you've graded it or just watching it on film, I think you know however many you know 20, 30 reps that Ronnie gives you that are of a higher quality. And then dealing with McCary, who is better than the bad Ronnie reps that you're going to get, um, were Ronnie to play the entire game, as well as mitigating injury. Uh, I do think in aggregate that is going to be better. Um, um, you know, it, it, it's a little bit harder to tell on the right side, just because it it's not very clear. Like, I think we have a better beat on like Ron, where Ronnie is physically than where Moses is physically. Um, so I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, but you know, I, I don't think the Ravens should shy away from something that's been working for them and been working for them against some teams with some serious pass rush. I mean, they, they did this against, um, they did this against, uh, the 49ers. They, uh, you know, they did this against the, the Steelers as well. Uh, you know, and, uh, and it's been, it's been holding up. McCary has been another player who's been off. Off and on, but now he's got three of the last four games as I've scored it at a D plus or lower, one D plus and two Fs. And the two Fs, one came against Cleveland. This this is going to really worry you now. One came against Cleveland where he got a point thirty nine raw score, so there's no amount of adjustment. Be up be up to point forty seven after adjustment. The other came against Pittsburgh where he got point thirty one. Well, guess what? Both those teams are in the playoffs, and the Ravens might face him in the first game. And. Uh, he he's he's particularly unsuited to deal with either High Smith or Garrett. Not that anybody is really extremely yeah, yeah, well find suited. Me, find me the guy who's well suited yeah. to deal with those guys. Yeah, yeah. it's just you 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 can be particularly poorly suited, but but you, but nobody I don't think is as well suited as you put. But anyway, biggest concern by far opposing pass rushes in the postseason for sure. Um, all right. Well, then I guess uh, we're on to optimism, the 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 fun part of the show. Um, uh, so. One reason for optimism I have is that the defense uh, in particular is converting in, in very high variance situ- situations, uh, you know, essentially meaning sacks and interceptions. Um, you know, I, I, they've, they've definitely had some drives that they haven't gotten really off the field on third down, but they've been excellent in, uh, in red zone situations as well. So, um, so playoff success uh, particularly on the defensive side, really thrives on uh, you know sacks, interceptions, keeping the scoring down to three instead of uh, instead of seven. And the Ravens have done that consistently. Um, you know, I read read some articles uh, recently, uh, you know, suggesting that the that the correlation between uh, you know your, your your takeaways during the regular season and the postseason, um, you know, might not be as strong as you might think uh th- that it would be and you know maybe that's because you know players uh, you know teams are going to be playing with a little bit more uh y- you know a little bit more sense of urgency a little bit uh you know b- being willing to 
um, you know, go for it, uh, you know, in situations where they might not otherwise have or, or try different things. You know, I, I, I don't know. But what I can tell you is that the defense that Mike McDonald's put together is extremely well schemed. Everybody understands their roles and responsibilities. And when you do that, you have great team success. Um, and, and that's led to, you know, a, a number of, uh, you know, Ravens players being, you know, near 10 sacks or more. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, Geno Smith being, I think now second in the league in interceptions, um, in the season. Uh, and you know, you, you, you continue to do that in playoffs. You're going to have a uh, pretty good results. Yeah. Uh, you definitely hit on something very important is that teams that have a lot of variation of result defensively are the are ones that do extremely well. And the Ravens, they led the league in takesaways. They led the league in sacks. They by far led the league in sack yardage. Um, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And they're, and they're constructed to make – they did that despite, let me put this, being constructed to keep opposing offenses from throwing the ball downfield in a way that, that you know, could create big plays. So And, and also turnovers. Um, but they, you know, they work out of a pretty much a too-high look with a, with a fairly light box, daring the other team to run at them. And they have gotten away with that to the tune of four and a half yards a carry. They've gained a lot more on the other side of the ball in terms of stopping the pass, um, both the combination of sacks, uh, you know, c- coming up on the ball and uh, and whatnot. But it's it's a, a very well constructed defense that limits the roles of its three cornerbacks in particular, and that's the reason why that has not shown up as a weak weakness this entire year, in my opinion. Stevens has played very well, so don't get me wrong on that. Um, in terms of somebody like Darby, I, I had heard have heard it said. The Darby would likes to really play off-ball coverage. If that's the case, Darby needs to reconsider his position at this age. You know, is 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 he's a guy now who really can benefit from having safeties watching his back. He's a good downhill player. He plays well in a in a short amount of space. He's not the guy I want defending anybody long. He's not the guy I'd want trailing somebody up the season. Anyway, defense extremely well constructed to keep that from happening. And I'm in complete agreement with, with your point there. I, I didn't include it on my list, but I included something sort of similar that we'll get to. And I think it's, it's, it's later on my list, but the but reason number one for optimism for me is the rest and the health. I think we've talked about that some before. I don't know that we go into it deeper, but I also think that the Ravens are in a better position um, with both coordinators to take advantage of that than they were in 2019. I think, so, you know, uh, um, we'll get to that in, in another condition, but I think they also know how to use that rest and they have reason to need that rest. They did in 2019 too, with a couple injuries, but they've got a, a whole mash unit of, um, minor injuries that would, you know, maybe at other time early in the season might keep some players out of games. Won't now, but these, these players need to be as healthy as possible. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the balance of need, um, to recover relative to, 
any kind of you know feeling of rust is it weighs so heavily in favor of uh, recovery. Uh, this is a more uh, experienced and veteran team at at really important positions like quarterback mm-hmm. um, than than it was in 2019. You know, in in, in 2019 might have been the rare situation where they might have benefited to just play the next week just because they were just rolling and just keep that momentum going. Um, and 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 that that's sort of the nature of how that season was going, and you know, a little bit of inexperience on the team's parts but also again you know the there there's just such an unfortunate confluence of events and the titans were uh prepared and well coached enough to um to take advantage of it something that i guess the titans ownership forgot when they fired mike Vrabel this year (laughs) um uh sort of interesting but uh but you know i i think the rest was incredibly important is is pretty specific that both the 18 and 19 teams had a had a game plan that was very effective against Lamar Jackson in particular the 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 opponent in each in each game the the 18 Chargers put seven defensive backs on the field for all but one play if i recall correctly they played a quarter defense which is unheard of and they and they won the game up front despite that their four man four man front just destroyed yep. the, the 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 ravens in that game and they were they flowed to the ball very effectively because they had all defensive backs playing linebacker basically in in the in the titans team in um in 2019 i looked at that as um more of a being specifically prepared for lamar to run the pistol um, plays that were him reading to the outside. They just were very prepared to shut that down. Now, that that said, they allowed a bunch of yards to Lamar in that game. That game evolved into something else where Lamar had to pass and then was running for the pocket and got a lot of yards that way. Um, they ran as many plays as they ever have. It's not a good thing in this particular case <laughs> that, that, that they did so. Um, but they really failed on on some high leverage plays and uh, and the Titans uh, kind of handed them a little bit of a physical beating on the field, too, in terms of what Derrick Henry did to them. So um, it was it was two teams that really think I don't think there is the same ability to do that against the 23 team. I think Lamar Jackson hurts you in many more ways than he did before. And the offense is structured for that to happen. I, I think you're absolutely right. And by the way, the Chargers um, in 2018, that's a really good example of what I was talking about, about a, a team meeting you for the second time. They they saw, you know, just how much Lamar was able to kill them with 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 speed. And they're like, you know what? We're not going to let him beat us that way. He's going to he's going to have to do something else. And, you know, rookie Lamar wasn't quite the passer that he was, you know, in 2019, certainly not the passer he is now, um, you know, wasn't wasn't able to deal with it. And they uh, and they. You know, kudos to them. They came up with a great plan. Um, so that'll that'll lead nicely into my next one, which is sort of the offensive ingenuity and evolution uh, th- throughout this season. I mean, I think you can talk about both um, Todd Munkin and Mike McDonald, and we've done so, you know, ad nauseum throughout the year, their ability to um, sort of adapt uh, to different situations, uh, which I think is a really welcome change from recent coordinators, uh, at least in my opinion. But uh, in particular, I'm focusing on the offense uh, because what we've seen in recent weeks is sort of uh, some some ten- tendency breakers, which is really a really important thing to be able to kind of um, generate. Uh, yeah. to kind of generate the, this late in the season. And um, and, uh, you know, one of one of them being, uh, you know, the use of the the use of Justice Hill in the passing game. Uh, huge tendency breaker. He really hadn't been used that much in the passing game, even though all of us kind of expected him throughout his career to be used more. Um, also just having uh, different players um, uh, leak out a little bit more as sort of a, you know, outlet options, which led to, you know, huge completion to, um, to uh, Gus Edwards uh, fairly recently and uh, you know, just adapting to different game time situations. And I think that really bodes well, um, for the playoffs, uh, if that were to continue, yeah, I, I think that's a great point. By the way, and and I have mine. Mine is so similar. I'm just going to jump right into mine because I think they, that both units are multiple, balanced, and adaptable, uh, and I think that makes them harder to defend in game plan. Again, we went into this a little on on the Lamar side already. Is that Lamar can hurt you in a lot of different ways. He can he can hurt you from the pocket. He can still hurt you with his legs. 
and had a pod recently with Mark Horton, by the way, great pod. If you want to listen to somebody who really gets it in terms of, of various football things, he, he, uh, you know, he talked about, um, is it more, are we going to see more designed runs from Mark, from, uh, from Lamar Jackson in the, um, in the playoffs. And, and there's lots of reasons to believe that might be the case. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly if you're ever going to take the risk, now is the time, you know, your, your, your advantages in this game are, are where you get it. You'll, you know, you want to go for it on fourth down with Lamar Jackson and you want to try something funky. Uh, you go ahead because, because the future is now <laughs> in terms of, of anything. And literally, you know, looking ahead at 2024, um, very important to, to take this opportunity as far as it will go. Um, I, I, I think I would agree without bashing the past coordinators that, that the two guys they have now are more adaptable and, and the pieces they have have made them more adaptable. But, but McDonald in particular is, is um, remarkable at not tipping his hand defensively uh, pre-snap in terms of, of what he's doing. And that's, that's proved to be very different and very special um, in terms of what the pass rush has been able to accomplish. Whereas obviously, you know, other coordinators in the past and, and Wink in particular had a bias for his pressure that would, that, you know, manifested itself in numbers, additional safeties at the line of scrimmage and whatnot that does tell the opposing offense what they need to do um, at, at the snap in some cases. Now, some can't do it anyway, and then you might rather have, you know, the way Wink does it. But but when the teams don't know, that's also a good chance to confuse the opponent and get them to do something that they, you know, shouldn't have wanted to do. I think that the best play of the season I can think of in that regard is the um, – Hamilton tip pick six to himself. Um, just one of the great plays of the year. We, I, you probably heard me talk about it a couple of times if you're a regular listener of this show, but um, for him to pl- start off ball, get right into the throwing lane. I mean, they knew what was coming. The play was exactly schemed up for Hamilton to tip a ball to himself for a pick six. And it, and it happened. Um, so they baited in a lot of ways. Um, Watson to look left and go to a Joku and, uh, and it didn't work. So I, I'm I they're much they're much better in a lot of ways, both offensively and defensively, but particularly defensively in uh, understanding how to fool the opponent. Yeah, I mean, Mike McDonald is this like rare combination of disciplined and willing to be deceptive. You know, deception from Mike McDonald generally doesn't mean you're going to get more than four rushers. Right. He's going to get there with four, but he's you're not necessarily going to know which four are coming. Um, you know, and, and Mike McDonald doesn't freak out. You know, he's, he, he doesn't, he doesn't say, okay, it didn't work on the first drive. So now we need to, you know, adaptability doesn't mean that you need to run away from your game plan immediately. You know, he, he, he makes, uh, you know, he, he makes slight adjustments as necessary. You know, the big adjustment will come at halftime if necessary. Uh, but his, he knows that his, general scheme is sound you know help out your corners don't um don't 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 leave them on an island um and uh and and get home with four you know and that leads to success um and you know these i i would say that this is the most adaptable combination of coordinators that we've ever had in um in raven's history and i don't think it's close um i think uh, at the end of mike mcdonald's tenure uh, with the Ravens, um, whenever that will be, I think we will be talking about him as easily one of the top three defensive coordinators ever for the Ravens, if not, you know, number two or number one. That's a very deep list. As a very, very deep list. And and younger fans, before you make the mistake of jumping in on that and saying, yes, he's definitely there, he's not definitely there yet. I can just tell you that. And and the, the guy I would point to in the past who is adaptable and doesn't get a lot of credit for for being the leader of a defense that was inherently so great or that's the way it seemed, Marvin Lewis. I mean, just remarkable cat at using multiple defensive backs. And that that 2000 team played 34.5% of dime with six or more. And – 55 of those snaps plus another seven in the Super Bowl were with seven defensive backs. I mean, he he, he would use all sorts of combinations to uh, make use of the assets he had. Very, very adaptable coach. Um, his very first year with the, with the team, they had to move from a 4-3 to a 3-4 in season because of injuries on the defensive line, which is a terrible position to be in. And they, they were quite a bad defense in 1996. But Marvin Lewis held that together in a way, and then built a great defense 
um, uh, you know, in part by being adaptable. By the way, to, to, to your point, 20.5% um, of the time, Mike McDonald has rushed five or more this year, which is a very low number. Um, there are teams that rush even less than that, but that's that's a very low number by in in Ravens history. That's ex exceedingly low, and in particular, he almost never rushes six or seven, uh, which he's only done a total of thirty-seven times a whole year. So less than two and a half times per game, actually just over two times per game. So uh, to to me, a really really remarkable year of basically playing conservatively and still being able to be a, a, a um, uh, confusing enough to the opponent to be very effective. Yeah. And, and if you look at recent Super Bowl champions, getting home with four is exceedingly oh, yeah. important. I mean, nobody thought uh, that the Bucks were going to beat the Chiefs. And how did they do it? They got home with four. I mean, they had Mahomes running for his life the entire game. And, and it's, uh, you know, maybe it seems obvious, great, great pass rush, you know, is, is a good thing to have in a Super Bowl. But, um, you know, it's just it, it the cascading effect of not needing to send extra players to rush the quarterback is just tremendous. And uh, and it'll be a big part of the reason why the Ravens advance if they advance. Yeah. Uh, so for my number one, uh, it, it's that this team is battle tested. Um, I think it's in incredibly important, uh, as I mentioned before, for a team to um, to to have to overcome struggles throughout the course of the season and really understand where their deficiencies lie and and learn. Um, you know, just like I said, that it, you know, it's an advantage for teams who've seen us in the past to um, to to have to play us again. Well, you know, we we have played against a great majority of the teams that are in the playoffs on, on both the AFC and the NFC side, which is an incredible gauntlet. The fact of the matter is we've beaten 10 teams that ended up having a winning record, beating the NFL uh, all-time record in that respect by by two games. Um, and I, I think a point you made recently was that this has been happening a little bit more often now that it's a 17-game season and the odd number you have more teams with mm -hmm. uh, potentially with winning records, which is, which is a, a good point. But, you know, those teams had to win more games and we have beaten those teams that have won more games. We came out of an AFC North uh, with uh, for the first time in, you know, nearly a hundred years <laughs> that, uh, that, uh, that the, uh, that entire division has had um, a winning record. Um, it's been a, it's been a long, brutal season. And, and, you know, aside from having to, the, you know, the big things are like, okay, we've, we've beaten, you know, uh, a Rams team that threw everything they had at us and we, you know, we, we, we struggled and we came out on top in overtime. Or we've demolished um, two really good teams in Miami and uh, the 49ers who threw everything at us. You know, all, all that's great. But there's also like little things throughout the season that if you learn them during the season, you know, and they come out in the playoffs um, – uh, you're, you're, it's just such valuable experience. Like for instance, Marlon Humphrey, he's not, he is never going to try to blow up Debo Samuel again. If he sees him in the Super Bowl, he is going to wrap up when he tackles. And these are, these are, these are little tiny things that you think might not be that big of a deal, but if they get to the Super Bowl and the 49ers get to the Super Bowl, Marlon Humphrey is going to say, is going to pull up that film and he's going to say, look, look at how I, I gave Debo Samuel the best hit that I got and I bounced off of him and he made a play. We got to wrap up when we get this guy. And, th and th that's just such a valuable experience mm -hmm. to have. And, and the Ravens have it. They, they, they've been through the gauntlet and they've come out on top. Yeah. I think that's, that's a good actionable point. I think the, the Ravens are, they have some team accountability that goes on on field. You can see, I look forward in terms of the emotes after the play, you know, watch who's talking to who about about what happened on the play there's a lot of teaching moments out there and you got some bodaciously good teachers i think some of the things we've seen from smith in particular um are really remarkable and they build a higher level of expectations in the other in the other players and specifically in his case i'm talking about on-field awareness of game situation. I keep coming back to the, allowing the guy to stand and then tackling him to get the clock out of two minutes as one of the greatest football plays I've ever seen. In terms of just on-field awareness, there's nothing that matches it. In terms of just knowing, here's exactly where we are, here's the benefit we can get, being able to adjudicate it on the spot, nothing like it. 
And if you have a guy making that decision on field, the other guys around him have to start making decisions that are at a better level too, even though they may not reach that level uh, or may not even have the opportunity to make such a play at that level. It just was so brilliant. Regarding your your, your divisional cut, by the way, mine effectively is the same thing, that this team is extremely battle-tested. They're, they have the ability to thrash good teams that has shown up throughout a very difficult schedule. A couple of ways I want to look at that that I don't think are normally said. The AFC North didn't just to have every team finish over 500. They finished with a 43 and 25 record as a group. 43 and 25. And football, that's extraordinarily good. But let's take out the 12 and 12 they were in the division because that's what every division is, is 12 and 12 amongst themselves. They're 31 and 13 outside the division. That gives you an idea of just how great this freaking division was in terms of, of thrashing others. Um, it is more likely you'll have a 10 and seven and three, nine and eight teams show up these days, uh, you know, in, in this era with the 17 game schedule. And I think that probably will happen again sometime in the next 20 or 25 years, uh, maybe sooner. Um, but anyway, you, you, it's, it's more likely the NFC South is a little stronger than it is this year. All the teams get to sure. get to be just a little bit over and the division's not really that impressive, but everybody's over 500. This ain't one of those. <laughs> you know, the average nope. team in this division was four and a half games over 500. <laughs> and, uh, and then when you when you take out the games they played against themselves, it's uh, yeah, four and a half games over 500 still. OK, so anyway, uh, uh, v- very impressive and uh, and one that uh, uh, I don't think is likely to be matched there. But but they're they're th- The other component of that is not only have they played great teams this year, they have kicked their teeth out. Not they, they've beaten ten of those, and that's incredible in terms of a number. It's so hard when you truncate down the possibilities. I mean, you can't win less than ten games and have a chance to win, beat you know beat ten teams with a winning record. Start with that. And then you play with some teams with a losing record, and you lose to them, and then you beat the other ten. That's not likely. So you're really talking about twelve and thirteen win teams. Very few teams ever have a chance to to perform at the level that the Ravens have this year, and 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 it's been remarkable. Um, uh, and, and the, the last point I want to make the last five teams that they faced who had a record, at least three games over 500 when they faced them. So that's the, the dolphins, the 49ers. Uh, let's go back and see who else it was is the, the Seahawks, the lions. That is one I'm missing. I knew this would have the Jaguars, mm-hmm. the Jaguars. Uh, they they played all those teams when they were at least three games over 500, and they beat them all by two touchdowns or more. No close wins. Yeah, they knocked the crap out of those teams. Um, that's never happened. Also in a season, in terms of having uh, five wins against teams um, by two touchdowns or more that were three games over 500, that's a, a little bit more difficult one to research. But uh, but that is uh, also the case. So it's just an incredible. It, it, I, it, there's no. It, it, unless you talk about picking about specifics and injuries and whatnot, there, there, there's nothing about the Ravens season that wouldn't make you very optimistic. If results in particular wouldn't make you very optimistic about the playoffs. It's, it's one of the reasons why I, I kind of look in, uh, at, at the, uh, at the um, Rams as, as one of the, as, as really the team that I wouldn't want to be, be playing uh, in the NFC playoffs. I, I, I think they're, uniquely equipped and balanced uh i think injuries to stafford um kind of derailed their season a little bit early on and i think that they can really do some damage we are we going to agree that we'll be happy to face the rams if, in, in the playoffs this year oh yeah i'll take any thrilled. nfc team <laughs> yeah I'll be, I'll be thrilled um I, I there is there is some news here uh that'll give you some optimism for next year uh ken and uh, it's a little, it's a little off topic, but, uh, but I, you know, now that I, I, I would love the pleasure of being the, you know, getting to see your face, uh, as I, as I report this, um, the Ravens and OBJ have reworked his contract to remove void years from the deal per Brian McFarland. The revision will allow them to use a post June one release. If an extension isn't reached by March 14th, this way they can spread the dead money out over 24 and 25, as opposed to all of it hitting in 24. Um, and he he now has a minimum salary uh, for twenty four and a fifty million salary uh, for twenty five that becomes fully guaranteed. Uh, so, yeah, 
So he will not be he will not be retained because they can't have well fifty million for twenty five that becomes fully guaranteed on the first day of the league year or the fifth day of the league year kind of thing. Not sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, so I'll, I, I'm sure there's more to to, to uncover, but uh, you know the the headline is OBJ will not be nearly um, as uh, impactful on the twenty four cap as we um, originally thought. That so is, that is nice. Yeah. A few extra dollars, and and that that sounds like a clever strategy, and one where, um, uh, hopefully that there's a realization between the two sides that this this is either parting of ways or a, or, a, or just a very nice thing to do, and maybe in OBJ's case, uh, for what's going on, I'm sure he's being compensated for it. I'm sure he didn't do it out of the good of his hearts. All right, fantastic, uh, Slava. Always a pleasure doing this show with you. He's at Slava Cooperstein uh, on Twitter. Slava, anything else? That's it for me, Ken. Thanks for having me. All right. And other folks out there, if you'd like to want to be on a film study short, you hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I want to hear from you, and this is a great week to do it. For Slava Cooperstein, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye. We'll talk to you next week on One Last Thing. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.